Last Sunday morning, we began a sermon series for the summer called Move, and it's really a, a conversation talking about all the different dynamics that unfold in one's life as we are moving from one space to another, and there's all kinds of variations as to what that movement might look like, but we began by highlighting kind of the theme verse for the summer, and it's on the screen. It's from Deuteronomy 5.33, and this is a moment in Moses' life where he's about to finish up his life, and Joshua is kind of taken over the leadership role for Israel, and they're about to walk into the promised land, and Moses has several moments in this particular book that he wrote, basically reminding God's people to be faithful and walk in obedience to the Lord uh, as they enter into the promised land. And here is this particular verse that uh, is shaping last week, this week, and kind of each week as we work through our summer series together. Deuteronomy 5.33, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord has commanded you that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Last week, we talked about movement and moving in one way or another, and we had highlighted the contrast between flourishing and frustration. And we landed on and spent the bulk of our time talking through the frustration spaces of our life, and we asked the uncomfortable question of, if frustration describes your current reality, maybe, just maybe, you are walking in disobedience, and God, out of love for you, is bringing about the frustration to get you back on track. That God, out of love for you, is bringing about that frustration to get you back on track. And we spoke into kind of a half-truth. We spoke into a bit of a lie that a lot of us believe, uh, where we would say something with great intentions, that God is for me, that God's for me. And how could God, who is for me, ever be working against me in the space of bringing about frustration in my life as I go and live my life. Well, a couple things. One, um, my life is not superseding the Lord's work and his plans and purpose in his world. I flourish when I am wired into what he's doing in his world and my role in the context of his plans in the world. God is not for me for me. God is for me as I walk with him for him. And God, out of great love for me, as any parent would towards their kid, would bring about frustration if I'm walking in a direction that's not life-giving. God would bring about frustration in my life in the hopes of bringing me back into where I am to be walking and living my life. This was the conversation that we had had last week as we moved into this conversation called Move. This week, we will continue on in this particular series, and I want to take you back to a moment in my life that is, I, as I think about it, I think it was just a few years ago, but it's actually well over, kind of, well, not well over, but about 20 years ago. Um, my wife and I married in the greater Moncton area and living in Sussex and made a decision to follow kind of the Lord's leading to move to Acadia Divinity College or down to Woofville, Nova Scotia. We were newly married, and we were moving from uh, New Brunswick to Nova Scotia, or in those days, I would say God's country to a place where God doesn't live, uh, New Brunswick to Nova Scotia. Um, I was just joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was moving to start my master's degree, um, moving away from a church setting that was really difficult for us to walk through that first 17, 18 months of our married life. 
And uh, I am not a student at all. And so the fact that I would leave church life to go to school would speak to some of the dynamics. Like, I hated school with a passion. So to go back for my master's degree was like I am kind of going into a space that I don't really like as God's leading me out of that. I could speak to some frustration spaces because uh, I, I thought I should have gone earlier but really didn't follow kind of where God was leading. Uh, but this move to Nova Scotia was the first big move for us as a husband wife newly married. And we were filled with excitement. Um, and that excitement in my life, as it often does, gives way to pragmatics. So excitement, and then all the what-if questions began to flood my mind. Where are we going to work? How are we going to pay for this? Where are we going to live? What new friends, social circles will we create? And on and on and on, these questions began to fill our minds. The pragmatics of the situation compelled us to take 10-plus trips from Sussex to Woofville to find where we were going to live. And that's about a five-and-a-half-hour drive one way. Uh, so we did that about 10 times over that first summer, kind of getting ready to move. Spent a lot of hours on the road, spent a lot of hours looking for a place to live, spent a lot of money kind of setting up the, the where and how is this all going to work itself out. This move was filled with all kinds of anxiety. It was filled with all kinds of nerves and stress and uncertainty about this next chapter um, in our life. We have moved into a series about our lives and how they are constantly on the move. Moving from one location to the next, as I just described. Moving from one chapter of our life into another chapter. And every time we move, I suspect that you are not too dissimilar from me, where with all the unknowns that are out in front of us, there is a level of uncertainty that kind of begins to fill us from the inside out. There is a space of anxiousness, and sometimes there's just flat-out fear of like, what what is this all going to be like and how is it all going to work itself out as we make this particular transition? This fear or this anxiousness, this uncertainty, no question would have followed God's people as they moved out of slavery as they headed towards the promised land. And we had said last week that we were going to be looking at God's people in this big move from being slaves in Egypt to now being free on the way to the promised land and see if there's things inside that journey that we can um, relate to as it speaks to how God walks with us in these seasons of move in our life. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be an Israelite in slavery for 400 years, and on the morning after the angel of death goes through the land, um, you hear the news that you're free, that you've been set free, you can leave, take whatever you want and go. And I suspect there is this giant wave of excitement and joy and freedom and if they're like me, which I suspect there are a few Phil Woodward's in that crowd, the excitement gave way to the pragmatics of the situation. Where are we going? The promised land. That's not overly clear to me. Like, I need an address. Like, where are we going? How long is the journey? Do you have children? When we drive to Moncton, it's like, are we there yet? You have made this trip a hundred times. We're not in Borden yet. Why are you asking me this question? When we do longer trips, um, we used to give our kids a roll of quarters that if they asked, you know, how much longer, are we there yet? We would take a quarter. 
Do you know what this was? This was called $40 of free spending money for Amy and I. This is all this was. We would take every single thing that they had because at some point you're like, we're still driving. You know we're not there yet. Who do you belong to? Because our kids are smarter than this. It was just a very frustrating space for us as parents. Still carry resentment around in my heart, as you can tell. What kinds of things are we going to eat on this journey to the promised land? Where will we find water to feed or kind of nourish ourselves, to drink things for us, but also for all of our livestock? So there's that level of pragmatic that no question would have been woven into a lot of the people as they make this move out of Egypt to the promised land. But then there's actual moments that we read about in the scriptures where they're trapped up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is bearing down on them. Or the moment when they're walking through the Red Sea. And you're there and you're looking at giant walls of water on both sides of you wondering how long does this trick last? And will it last until I get through to the other side? Or being one of the spies that goes into the land to scope it out. And when they come back, and what they see inside this land flowing with milk and honey are people so large that they view themselves as grasshoppers. Like, that we are really, really, really small. And they're not. These moments, and I'm sure there's a host of other moments, no question, fear, anxiety, uncertainty, as they're making this move from one place to another. Here's the point of our conversation this morning. If we are in a move that's in response to God calling, if we are in a transition of life that is coming upon us, we should have all the confidence in the world that God's provision is coming. And the very real dynamics of fear and anxiety, these not ought to define us while we're in these moments. I want to say this again, it's on the screen, and I want to pause on that first yellow line. If we are in a move in response to God's calling, and we'll stop here for a moment, lots of us in this room have made moves that have nothing to do with God's calling on your life. We have made decisions driven by sheer pragmatics, and you see that same decision-making process in the scriptures of men and women who have said, let's do this, but it had nothing to do with what God was asking them to do. They just made it. And that move was often marked by a lot of frustration, a lot of things that didn't work out the way that they thought. So I can't stress this enough. If you are in a move in response to God calling you, leading you, which is a huge piece of this, if God's calling you, if God's asking you to go from here to there, from this season of life to this season of life, from this job to this, if God's leading you out into this, we should have all confidence in the world that provision is coming. If you go back into the text, Israel, in the middle of this move, with all of these very real spaces of need, God provides food for them. Right away, it's manna. And he gives clear instruction. Every morning that you wake up, there's going to be this bread-like substance on the ground. And you're going to pick it up and you're going to eat it. But I don't want you to pack more than what you need for just that day. And if you take more than what you need, then it will spoil. And just trust me that I'm going to provide manna for you every single day that you walk through the wilderness. A little later on, they get tired of the bread. And they're like, but we want something more than bread. And God's like, all right, fine. And he gives them bird. He gives them quail. And the quail comes in. 
and they kill the quail and they eat it, and that would have been like bread and meat, which is like heaven. God provides for, for them from water. They're in a space where they need water to live. And God gives them water in Exodus chapter 17. When they're trapped up against the Red Sea, God divides the sea in, into two, and they walk through on dry ground. Years later, albeit 40 years later, God leads them into the promised land and is pushing out some of these people that are, in their minds, they make grasshoppers in our own minds. Every step of the journey that God has called them into, God's provision is there time and time and time again. And if you can, you can go to any chapter verse in the Scriptures and find a person, if God has called them to do this, from moving from here to there or job or whatever, you will find woven into that story God's provision for them as they've responded to God's call on their life as they have moved from whatever they're doing to whatever is coming next for them. So in your life, in my life, if God has called you, and I cannot stress this enough, I know that my heart can lead me down all kinds of weird roads that I have used over time, I think God's telling me to do this, when I actually know that he's not. I just want to do this. I just want to do this. And I'm using good Bible language to hide my own motivations. So you've got, to be, you've got to know, is this God calling me or is this me wanting to do something that I'm using God's narrative over it to kind of hide my own motivations? But if God's calling you, if God's asking you to move away from one job to another and you're wondering what's going to come and what that's going to look like, if God's asking you and your spouse to begin a family and you're wondering will you able to be able to provide for them, if God's calling you from one city or one country to another, and how are all the details going to be worked out and how will we be looked after? From the scriptures, if God's leading you into this space, you can be certain that provision will follow. In my own life, in my own story, this is true. And we could speak to hundreds of examples of this. But this morning, for time purposes, I'll just share two with you. Some of you, I have shared this story with you before, but the first thing goes kind of back to, um, I was going to be a gym teacher. Like, I loved gym, loved phys ed at school. And you do the whole guidance counselor thing and career pathways, and you do all that stuff, and like all things led to this for me. I got involved in camping ministry, and I realized, well, maybe there's a mixture of like phys ed and camp ministry and kind of wedding those things together, and really felt like I was kind of leading that space. So I had enrolled at UNB, was going to take a degree in Parks Recreation Management through the Kinesiology Program. And while on my way to a youth convention, stopped in at what is now Crandall, but it was at ABU before the new dorms and new campus opened, and stopped in with a good friend of mine, with another friend, to tour the campus. And I'm not a, like, hear me, like I'm not a unicorns and hocus pocus guy at all. I'm very much pragmatics. But while on this particular tour, I began to see myself sitting in the cafeteria, sitting in the dorm rooms, sitting in the gymnasium, sitting in a classroom or in the library, and was overwhelmed with a sense of, this is where you're going to go to school in three weeks. This is where I'm calling and asking you to go. This is where you're going to go. Now, in the pragmatic world of me, 
I had the whole plan set out. I had saved enough money to live at home, pay for my whole year of university, kind of mooching off mom and dad, that whole space that some of you are entering into this year as you graduate. Milk that for as long as you can. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But I remember very clearly having the conversation with my parents saying, I'm going to go away to school in Moncton. And my whole plan of how this was going to happen fell apart because it's a lot more expensive to move away from home than it is to stay at home. So I got home at Christmas time, had spent everything in my bank account that first year, living on dorm, crazy expensive food plans, all that stuff, not to, not to mention like the Wendy's runs that add up very, very quickly. <laughs> got home at Christmas and explained my dilemma because I had no more money. And my mom, kind of doing dishes, she says, well, um, someone is going to look after your second term for you this year and all of your years while you're at school at Crandall. So I always earned enough to pay for the first half, and someone who I still don't know to this day looked after my second half. That this is where God's calling, provision will follow in those spaces. While going through my training, my whole experience of education, I and Amy had created a short list, and this is the second example of where I wanted to go work when I was done. There were about five churches in New Brunswick that we had set our sights on, uh, five different lead pastors that I would have loved to work with and work under, five different environments that just seemed to be flourishing in all kinds of youth ministry spaces. And that's what I really wanted to do. And we had begun thinking about this and talking about this and praying about this and making phone calls about it and really began to figure out how is this all going to come about because this is where we want to go. In the middle of all that, um, this church called, Cornerstone called, and said, like, hey, um, we know you're still in school, um, but would you ever consider coming here as a youth and family uh, pastor? And in my head, I'm like, are there even churches on P? I had no idea. That, like, <laughs> no idea. I thought this is where people vacationed, really, and then, and then left. And I remember they began describing kind of the location of where the church was. I'm like, oh, I can actually picture that. And this is where the, the, the story gets kind of funny. So Amy and I agreed to come over for the interview process, and we left. It was a Thursday night. It was late, late, late over in Nova Scotia. We drove over. We arrived, um, spent the night at the pastor's house, and then the next morning uh, got up early to come in for the interview. And I remember um, in my mind, I thought it was Grace Baptist because they described it as this kind of big church on the hill. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. So in my head, I'm like, oh, at least there's a structure that's reflective of some really good things that are going on. I remember driving by Grace Baptist, and I'm like, oh, no. This is not where I thought it was. And then at that time, we drove up into the parking lot, which was like a fifth of the size that it is now, and the lobby was the sanctuary and the bathrooms and the offices and everything in that room. And I'm like, oh, this is not at all where I thought we were going. Through that weekend, Amy and I, particularly Amy, had a deep sense that this is where God was bringing us, where he was calling us. And to say that the provision of God through you, it's just been remarkable. I can't, I can't even begin to share with you the blessing that it's been to be here for 20 years. The way that you have ministered to us as people, the way that you have watched us have four kids and figure out the wins and losses as parents, the way that you have extended kindness to mistakes I can't begin to express just how much you have blessed us over the years, and you are a shining example of God's provision 
in our lives when we respond to his leading in our life. It has been remarkable. We could share story after story after story with you that you don't even realize the role that you've played in our life and we have just followed the Lord. Like It has been one of the greatest blessings in our life. One of the greatest blessings. And not a lot of pastors get to say that. Like, I love this church family. I love its people. I love the, the frustrating days. I love the great days. It has been it's just a significant space of joy for us as God has provided for us in so many ways through you that's been remarkable. And it's just been a tremendous picture of if we follow God's leading in our life, provision will follow. And you as a church have played a vital role, an example of God's goodness and kindness in our life over the years. As a church family, this is also true. Over the years, over the last 20 years, God's provision has defined our history. I remember early, like early, when there was just really a few of us that were here. And when there was a need presented, someone inside the body of Christ here was like, I can do that. And watched people kind of sign up and respond using their gifts and talents. And it's just been one story after another story after another story over the last 20 years watching God provide for his church family through his people here in this setting. It's been beautiful. And now when I look across, I can't even begin to name all the people who lead and provide in ladies' ministries, in men's ministry, in missions ministry, in facilities ministries. And the list goes on and on and on of when God leads and calls, someone is there to provide that need as God gifts and builds his body and it's just been a beautiful expression over the last 20 years of God leads and provision follows through his people. Staffing has been another big thing over the last 20 years. In church life, it's hard to find good staff. It's incredibly difficult. There are churches that I know that have been looking for three or four years trying to find a new lead pastor, trying to find an associate pastor, youth pastor, whatever the case might be. And I can't begin to tell you how excited I am that Mike begins with us in just a couple weeks to come into the role of kind of connections and care. Again, following God's leading, believing he's calling us out in the space, and having someone like Mike and Janine and their family to join the staff and to minister among us is going to be beautiful. Over the years, it's just been one story after another story of God's provision in ways that we could not have ever seen or even dreamed about. Winston coming on staff in the middle of COVID and all the need for tech and with Pastor Hannah and Tyler and Gordon and Dana and Amy. It's just been beautiful, all the people that God has brought into spaces as we responded to his leading in our life. I remember, and this is the last one, I remember in our very, 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 very first um, kind of church capital campaign when we were in the school next door we had a year left to go on our agreement. We had started Stratford, and the fall of 2007 would have been an adventure, to say the least. And there's a few of you that are, were here during that time, but it was, it was an adventure. And I remember coming into a particular church family meeting, and this just speaks to provision again, where we were kind of in a, in a jam and working through some significant pieces of information but believing wholeheartedly that this is the steps that God was asking us to do. 
And it was buying six acres of land in Stratford and expanding the facility in Cornwall because we were too big to come back into what it was and believing that God was going to be doing more in our midst and all those kinds of things. And I remember coming into this church meeting in November of 2007 where it was very rushed, very quick. Um, the first payment for the land in Stratford was due in January of 2008. And literally, it was like, everybody write down on a piece of paper blindly what you can give tonight, put it in the offering plate, we'll add it up and see if we can actually vote to buy this land. We did it, and I'm good in math, and I know that we were $30,000 shy, and we still voted to go forward with it, which was cool, and then I'm leaving with the pragmatics to say, but we're still $30,000 shy, and it's Christmas. And I know that no one wants to talk about that kind of stuff in Christmas season. Like, no one wanted to have that conversation, myself included. And then we come into post-Christmas. And in church life for pastor, post-Christmas to New Year is like doldrums. No one wants to hear from you. No one wants to gather. Like, it's, everyone's in their jammies, eating way too much food. And I remember, like, being deeply bothered by the fact that January 4th was coming. And our first payment was going to be due for the land in Stratford. And I'm like, well, <laughs> here's $30,000 less. Like, it was just not going to end well. And I remember going to our mailbox, and a letter was addressed to me, a.k.a. the church, and a letter was written that basically said, over the next five years, you, can, you will get this check from me to see this project through. And it was a check that was much larger than $30,000. For five years, this just faithfully came in to look after the entirety of the purchase of the land of Stratford. Again, of believing God's calling us into something. Provision will follow in one way or another. Today, as a church family, we are in a similar spot. There's a flyer that we're going to ask you to take home at our annual meeting. We were talking about just capacity issues that we face as a church family. There are about 290 of you in this room right now. In a first service, it was 260 of you. There's probably well over 230 kids and leaders in the building at the same time. And that's just Sunday. On Friday night, youth group, it's full. On every night of the week, we're juggling spaces and capacity issues because we're just bursting at all sites. And we'll put this kind of picture up on the screen. But this is just a rendering of what it might look like if we were to go forward as a church family. And here's our ask of you. I am aware of the cost. I'm aware of the scope of project. I'm aware of all those things. I'm aware of all those things. But we're asking you to begin praying now that when we gather in the fall, this is when we will make a decision as a church family of will we move into this as God is leading us or... This isn't what God's asking us to do, and there's something else in the cards for us to figure that out at that time. This is what we're asking of you. There's all kinds of opportunity for you to ask, to email, to have coffees, to talk through all kinds of details connected to what this might look like. Share your concerns, share your worries, share your darkest fears, because chances are someone's already had those things and had those questions answered around tables or in the process of having those things answered. But we have been brought to the same spot that we have been in several times as a church family over the years. But here's what we can't do. We can't not make a decision based on if we did this, will provision follow? So many of us don't actually step out in where God's asking us to go because we're unsure, will God provide? 
The question is not around provision. The question is, is this what he would have us do? Does that make sense? Because there is a significant difference around, I don't want to do this because it costs too much and I don't know where it's going to come from, versus, is this what God would have us do? If it's what he would have us do, provision will follow. There is just way too many examples through the text of Scripture in the story of our lives collectively. If God's calling, provision will follow. We need to sort through, is this what he's asking us to do? Hard stop. If it's not this, then it's be something else. And we'll sort through that together as a church family this morning, or in the fall. I'm going to invite Dana and team to come back as we kind of transition out of this. Um, at the beginning of the service, I share with you the story of us moving down to Woofville, down to Acadia University. We made 10 trips down and back. They all turned up nothing. No house, no nothing. And on a, like a last-ditched, late-August effort, we're like, all right, we've got to find something that will work because we were going to live with my sister and her husband, their two, their, their two daughters, and Amy and I. And we're trying to find like one of those unique houses where there's like two houses inside of one. And we, we got in the car and we drove home with nothing to show for all of our efforts. A week before we are to move, and Pragmatics and Phil is like overdrive at this moment, uh, we get a phone call randomly from an agent, from another agent kind of who hears of us who's moving down. He's like, listen, there is this one house that's on Elm Streets in Kentville. Um, if you want it, you can have it. And out of complete desperation, we're like, sure, we'll take it. We have no idea what it is, no idea what it looks like. Uh, and we arrived in U-Hauls and we, we pulled into this like beautiful old estate home that was divided perfectly for our two families to live together in this place. And it's those moments of like, I wasted a lot of time and money driving back and forth and had nothing to show for it. And it's one of those earlier moments of like, if God is calling, if God is asking, leading, and that's the question you have to sort through. If God is, provision will follow. Provision will follow. And I know that over the last 20 years, I have an opportunity to know a lot of your lives. I've been able to spend time with you and see God's provision in your life as you've moved from one career to another career where you were on this precipice of, I'm not sure how this is all going to work out, but I'm pretty certain that God's closing this chapter and a new one is going to open. I know some of you had, had gone in through uh, seasons of like significant sickness and how's God going to provide in this particular moment of our life where you've moved from one country to another country, which which personally, you have blessed my life immensely that you followed through with that call on your life. That's a big one. I can't imagine uprooting a family, moving from one part of the world to here, and not knowing any of the answers. House, job, just blows my mind. And the blessing that that story is, and there's many of your stories that just bless my life as you have followed God in that space. And there is really one song that I landed on kind of Friday, which is late in the week for me, because normally I love to get this stuff done early in the week, because um, pragmatics rules in my life, but fighting a bit of cold and flu this week, I emailed Dana, I'm like, Dana, can we do this song on Sunday? Because it speaks to God's faithfulness in our life. So this morning, I want to invite you to stand and sing, Great is Your Faithfulness. We're going to get changed and dressed and come back and move into a celebration of baptism. 
Would you stand and sing with us this morning? Well, um, if you're here this morning and you're wondering, like, what's happening right now, um, when we gather and celebrate baptism, we're celebrating this incredible moment in someone's life where they have decided to follow Christ by faith, where they've recognized him to be the king, they've recognized him to be the savior, messiah, redeemer, and are saying that I want to put all my life into his, into his care and trust. And Diane has done that a, a while back and has now kind of responded to Christ's instruction to be baptized. Baptism is this incredible celebration, this incredible picture of when we take someone down in the water, they are dying to self, kind of being buried with Christ in the grave. And when we bring them up out of the water, kind of raised to new life with the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, where we now set our sights on him and we follow him each and every day. And Diane, it's just a real joy to be able to do this with you this morning. And I want to ask you just two questions, okay? Uh, Diane, have you given your life to Jesus? I have. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life with the help of the Holy Spirit? It is. It's a tremendous joy for us to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Bonnie and her son Darius are, are quite new to us. Um, my work is a, funny, is a funny job, and every now and again, I'll get an email from a complete stranger. And that would have been Darius a couple months ago. He's like, listen, found you online, and watching your services, I have given my heart to Jesus, and I'd like to be baptized. That's a good day in my world. Uh, met with Darius, and since with, his, with mom, and just a real joy to be a part of their life in a very short window of time, watching, listening, and hearing people who have made a decision of faith to follow Christ, to walk in his ways in a significant way. And I want to ask you those same questions this morning, Bonnie. Bonnie, have you given your life to the Lord? I have. Is it your desire to follow him the rest of your life with the help of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. It's a real joy for us to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. got no towel and you're in jeans. That's called a great day. <laughs> you can have my towel, but you can keep your jeans. All right. Darius, uh, I loved that time at Tim Hortons talking with you, just listening to kind of where you've come from, desire to walk with the Lord, and it's just a real joy for me to do this this morning. So same questions that I asked your mom. Darius, have you given your life to the Lord? I have. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life with the help of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. It's a tremendous joy to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. 